0: Well, good morning. It's Sunday and it's New Hampshire and this is PFG Live. The rain has stopped. We didn't think it would. (laughs) It was a little scary for a while there. Uh, Let's see, it looks like uh, everything seems to be working. I wanna say good morning to uh, Tuck who is both on Discord and YouTube. And also Evils, both on YouTube and Discord. Thank you for your help, guys. We, we do a little uh, pre-game check, and these guys are great giving me a report on uh, video and audio. Uh, let's see. So today, we are... Uh, sorry for the delay. Joel L., good afternoon. Welcome aboard, sir. There we go. I'm getting excellent reports from YouTube. So today, uh, the, the the weather here is gorgeous in New Hampshire. The color is magnificent. I wish I could show you this. We don't have another camera set up right now, but the colors in the backyard are absolutely spectacular. So we're having a beautiful fall. Uh, Carl is checking in from the Rhode Island saying, 56 degrees and sunny. Uh, howdy, Carl. CJ Stevens is reporting in. Says hello from my basement. It looks sunny outside here in East Tennessee. Unable to provide weather as I am rebuilding our dryer. I don't think that's how relative humidity works. I don't think it's going to get any drier, even if you fix it. Uh, let's see. Who do we have here? In uh, so also DBX down in Rockland County, New York. Uh, good day, sir. Nice to see you. Thank you for your reports. So if you guys don't know this, uh, we, we have a Discord server, and we use the Discord server as a, uh, another input here to the PFG Live. But also, we do a lot of collaborating on the Discord server, and that's huge. New York machine is checking in with 55 and Cloudy in Corning, New York. That is uh, quite a place for uh, mirrors and glass, according to New York is. Um, and Evils is checking in at 20 degrees science and 65% relative humidity indoors in Ghent, Belgium. Welcome. Flatlapper reporting 52 sunny, 4 miles an hour of wind in the north of the Illinois. Welcome, sir. Nice to see you. So, uh, officially, uh, we lost our weather here. Oh, I lost my weather. Well, I'm not going to go chasing it, but I'll give you the report from uh, from Windham. It's 54 degrees here, and uh, let's see. Is it—I don't have a relative humidity. I could tell you the relative humidity in my basement, in my refrigerator, and in my office, but I can't tell you the relative humidity— outside right now isn't that embarrassing well i'll tell you that right now in indoors it's 60 percent relative humidity um indiana john is checking in 43 and light rain in wentworth new hampshire welcome aboard from up north uh we have a report from white plains white plains is reporting as of uh one seven three four zulu Winds, oh, I don't recognize that code. Uh, winds are 30018 gusting three 30 zero knots. Visibility greater than six miles. Clouds are broken at 4,000. Oh, you're giving me a, <laughs> there's your problem. You're giving me a a, 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 a a TAF, not a METAR. That's why, See? Go back, go back, get me the right information. Tuck is reporting 52 degrees Fahrenheit and sunny with a a few scattered clouds in Buffalo, New York. Don't think I wouldn't know the difference between a TAF and a METAR there, buddy. Okay, here we go. (laughs) White Plains reporting at 1656 Zulu. That makes a lot more sense. Winds 310 at 14, gusting two one knots, visibility 10 miles, clouds broken at 3,900 feet, broken at 4,600 feet, temperature 11, 2.03, that's kind of dry, altimeter 2.9, 62, remarks, peak wind was 300 at 26, that's gusty, uh, at 1607, well, a little bit of gustiness here, not so much, a little bit of wind. But not terribly gusty. Uh, let's see who else is here. So, uh, a weird week. I'm not going to lie, it was a weird week. I have in my consulting business, I have three clients all with requirements crashing at the same time. That does not make for a good time, but uh, we're muscling through it. Uh, today, we're going to be reporting to you on. What my kiddo is doing in the high school. <laughs> uh, I, okay, so Carl, this is a really good question. Carl says, I'm surprised that you don't have one of your humidity meters outside. So just this morning, I was thinking about how to set it up and get one of them outside, because right now they're not packaged really well. Um, and I was looking for a container that can keep the rain off it, but let it get the airflow through it. And I, I didn't come up with a, uh, a solution. Uh, Adagy, am I pronouncing it correctly? Welcome aboard. New name. He's reporting 18 degrees Celsius, 83% humidity, 19 miles visibility in Surrey, UK. Greetings. Uh, actually, back when I was part of Weather Report, I actually was just on the tambourines. Sorry. Um, anyway. <laughs> so I was looking for a way to get those things outside, which which actually leads me to one of the topics for today, is that my little uh, development stand that I made for the Adafruit Feathers has been magnificent uh, for what we needed it for for development but we've literally hit the point now where um, everything's working and it's time for the next step which is mechanical design of the packaging for this thing which is going to be 3d printed um, and there's a lot of ways to go about it one of the things I did so we have four um, we have four of those development stands and they're all running, um, the version 18 of my software. So it's 0.18 zero meaning it's not released, but, uh, it's the 18th, um, version and version 18 is working pretty darn well. And I'm going to talk to you about that in some detail. In fact, we might as well just jump into that as the first thing. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Indiana John says, Oh yeah, weather report. They did an awesome cover of Thunderstruck, if I remember correctly. Yes, but only once. Um you don't want to talk about uh that when you drive a lightning. I'm just saying. So the 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 little uh sensor project has been really cool. The last major accomplishment was that uh, again, with a little help from my friends, we got it up and running on the Adafruit iO um, server. So we talked about this before, but Adafruit, of course, they sell these little widgets and that's their main profit, uh, you know, line item is selling stuff. So they have a server, which is also has a, a pay for uh, you know a, a paid service associated with it, where you can publish sensor data to the server. and you don't have to do any programming. You could download their package called Whippersnapper, load it onto a, one of these um, feathers. You have to edit one file on the feather, which is your Wi-Fi information, and your credentials for logging into Adafruit. and you're done. And now you go to the website on Adafruit and you bring up your feeds, you bring up your dashboards and you control, you know, what you want to see, uh, from all your sensors. Pretty cool. And you can control, you could tell your sensor information, like here's how often you should be publishing, etc. Neat system. We, so we went through that phase of, of doing that and it works great. But then when I started writing the code for what I call hack RH for relative humidity, um, ultimately we wanted to get to the point where we were uh, publishing to that same Adafruit server and get this great graphical display of all this information, um, but from our own software. And that's what has finally um, happened. We we were doing it, I believe we were doing it last week, but I discovered a bug. And the bug was that I was seeing fewer reports in the feed of the third thing we were reporting, which I think was relative humidity. So we report the voltage of the battery, the temperature measured, and the relative humidity, three things. And I started seeing one of them have fewer inputs to that feed than the others so i started scratching my head and looking at the software and i realized it was the third thing we published so there was a clue so you know this thing will will connect to the server and it'll the way it was working is once an hour it would go bang 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 you know here's a here's a voltage here's a uh temperature here's the relative humidity And then it would go away for an hour. Well, it turns out that if you weren't paying any shekels to Adafruit, you were on the free service and you were able to have, I think, a half a dozen feeds, um, which is fine. But you were limited to um, one report every two seconds. Okay, There was rate limiting. Hey K-Bonk is here reporting 59 and sun and wind in the Philadelphia. Welcome, sir. Nice to see you. So I thought, well, gee, they give you a they give you a limiting rate, right? 30 per uh, per hour, but they don't tell you how fast you can deliver them. So we were delivering three of them bang 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 and I I intuited that It didn't like how fast they were coming so I put a delay in and the delay was again a variable you set in the configuration file and I put in two seconds so when it was time to report at the end of your period which for us is an hour it would come in and it would report the first number two seconds later the second number two seconds later the third number fix the problem totally perfect so once we smoothed that out, and I, I convinced myself over the course of a couple of days of just glancing at the at the feed, that it was not dropping any of our data, I went ahead and I gave him some money. So now, for ten bucks a month, you have unlimited feeds, um, unlimited a bunch of unlimiteds, but you still have rate limiting. The rate limiting goes from thirty per hour, uh, thirty per minute. I'm sorry, I think I said hour before, 30 per minute to um, 60 per minute. So theoretically, you could pop in a number on these on any of your feeds once every second. So what I did is I left it at two-second delay, but then I brought all the other ones online. So now all four of them are going. All four of them are publishing to Adafruit.io, and, and that was great. So as I was admiring my data flowing in, which I'll show you in a few minutes, I uh, then realized what if they start publishing at the same time? In other words, it's on one account, you start having all of them publishing in close proximity to each other, we could hit that limit again. So I started figuring out, well, what do we do about that? Widgetworks, you're late, sir. (laughs) <laughs> he says he has a doctor's note. That is acceptable. Uh, we will accept that. Minus 1C, uh, 81% relative humidity in Edmonton, Alberta. Welcome, our neighbor to the northwest. So um, so here's what I did. I introduced a concept. If you're familiar with uh, TCPIP, which is how we, you know, this is how we, uh, uh, communicate over the internet, you could have collisions on the internet. You could have two packets trying to jam their way into a device at the same time, and they can collide. And the way they solve this in the protocol is you wait a random amount of time between two numbers, and then you transmit again. So, so if you have two transmitters that are colliding on the next transmission the probability that they're going to collide is now very low so i i put that into the software so that it just fuzzes the amount of time it waits for its reporting interval so nominally it was a 60 minute reporting interval now it's 60 minutes plus or minus a fuzz factor that you program in so i think i'm I think I've got it at 60 minutes and the fuzz is, I think, 20 seconds or something like that. So now they will not report in at exactly 60 minutes every 60 minutes. It will have a bit of a fuzz factor and that will, again, that will help prevent collisions if they happen. They might not even happen, but there you go. Another feature in the software. So now that software is solid and I could say that we now know how to publish these numbers to the Adafruit IO site. So let me just show you what it looks like because it's wicked cool. Um, So again, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, stare very hard at your headphones. Just kidding. Uh, You could, you can go back and watch the YouTube. Um, Here you can see on the screen, there's four on the bottom. There's four gauges that represents the relative humidity on, on four devices around my house. On the top, you'll see a graph of the last 24 hours of relative humidity, temperature, and voltage for each of the four units. So all this data is now pouring in real time. You're looking at real time data here, and um, you'll notice some interesting things. <laughs> uh, thank you, CJ. Uh, you'll notice on if you look at the temperature graph, you'll notice about 24 hours ago one of the units dropped precipitously. Can anybody guess why it dropped from 65 degrees ish to 40 degrees ish? Any guesses? Anybody? Come on, Discord guys. You have the lowest latency. Correct. Evil's got it. Joel got it. I I said it on on Instagram, so it's not exactly a secret. It's in my fridge. <laughs> Now, the weird thing was the if you look at the relative humidity graph of that device, well, that's what I'm looking at. It is jumping around like crazy. So, we've said this before, what are the three most important words in science? They are hey, that's weird. So, here it is. Hey, that's weird. So, um it was kind of kind of bizarre. Now keep in mind, there's a few things to keep in mind when you look at this graph. Matthias Wandel's experiments. I don't know who Matthias Wandel is, but it looks like that's another experimenter. Um, relative humidity is a computation, right? It's it's a it takes temperature into account in order to compute the relative humidity. So you have to measure the dew point or some measure of humidity. You have to take into account the temperature. Then you have to do some math, and then you come up with percent relative humidity. So it could be mathematical noise that's amplifying that sawtooth in the relative humidity data. Um, But if you look at temperature, temperature we know is just simple measurement. So that also has, uh, has a little sawtooth to it. So I reasoned that maybe I put it right next. It was on the top shelf of my fridge and maybe that's where some air blows in that has been temperature controlled. So it's a little hot or it's a little cold trying to get the the, uh, compartment of the refrigerator to be the magic temperature. So I took it and I moved it this morning to the bottom shelf of the fridge and we'll see what happens. Uh, wood guy, a wood guy, would I? Who used to work at RIM, pro- proper engineered. Um, so I don't know. I, so maybe there's a story there that I need to study. Uh, uh Mr. Simpson. Oh yeah. RIM. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Blackberry. I will, I will look this guy up anyway. The good news is is that this thing's cranking out data. Um, The the one labeled KP1, which is the first gauge on your screen, and it's the color green in all the charts, uh, that is the one that's now sitting on a shelf in the basement 3D printing area. So that's also the one that's running on a um, 18650 battery, so the big fat battery. So I put that in the basement. And that's doing its thing, um, and the other two units are still on the on the shelf uh, of the uh, of the windowsill. So this is working out super well, and um, you can go into your. This is called what you see on your screen. This is called a dashboard. So you can go in and build a dashboard. So I built it with. Three graphs. Each graph, I chose what sources to use. And then on the bottom, four gauges. There's all sorts of things you can do in creating your dashboard. Um, And I can show you what the feeds look like. Okay, here's what the feeds look like. It shows you all of your feeds. And it tells you when it recorded to the feed. This is how I discovered a discrepancy between um the three different numbers coming from each sensor but now they all look well behaved and uh and they are coming in in real time so let's see <laughs> so dbx um noticed my hat which if you're if you're watching uh if you're listening on the on the podcast it's from uh Mitch Rosen Leatherworks extraordinary gun leather not sponsored But uh, Rich is a friend of mine. He lives uh, a little further up north, and he's been here. We've talked about some projects together, and he's a super guy, and I, too, use his product, Uh, excellent products. So that's the story on um, on our uh, Adafruit IO interface. Now, there's another super cool feature that, their, their server has, and that is, it can send data to the devices. And that's my next uh, hurdle as, a, as a, uh, a software noob is fig- figuring out how to receive that data. So from your dashboard, you should be able to send some data like increase your reporting rate or decrease your reporting rate or, you know, something. Uh, so that's my next thing that I'm going to be learning uh, about how to do, and all of this has come about as I'm learning Python. So, you know, uh, the the name of somebody who knows who who is a Python programmer is a Pythonista, and I I bought a book. I showed you this book before, okay? Python Crash Course, and I've been studying Python. And uh, hacking away on these little uh, Adafruit widgets and having a great time. Now, the flavor of Python that's that's run on the Adafruit feathers is called Circuit Python, and it's just a a subset of Python. It, for the my purposes, it doesn't matter yet because I'm still in the basics. Um, that's a little little humor. If you have gray hair, the basics get it. Get it. Anyway. It's going well, and I'm having a good time. Uh, I also published my first open source release, if you want to call it that. Basically, I published uh, the most important discovery I made in this whole project. We put some polish on it, added a bunch of comments to it, cleaned it up. I ran it past DBX. I ran it past Unix Carbide, and uh, and then I went ahead and I I published it. To the uh, Adafruit Discord, they have a Discord just like we're on right now, and they have a section for CircuitPython. So I published it there, and it's on GitHub in what DBX introduced me to is called a Git gist. So it's like a it's like a lightweight publish onto GitHub of this function, and I and I'm talking about I don't know 15 functional lines of code. But those were very difficult to arrive at. And that's the code that puts the puts the board to sleep so that it it only uses 18 microamps. So that's been done uh, that's been given to the universe and uh, and we' moving on. So that, that's been a fun thing. And it's the, the, the thing I like about this project, not only that we're leading toward an extremely useful little little widget um, for our shops and 3D printing areas and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's the interaction between... It's the collaboration with other people who are experts in this stuff that has been just terrific. Um, it's a really nice community um, to learn from. And for that, I thank you. And it's not unlike how, how I've learned from uh, the machining community about machining. So it's... It, it's just, uh, it's why we're here. So that's been a, a whole heck of a lot of fun. So that's the report on um, on learning from the Pythonistas and what we're doing with the little devices. So keep an eye out. Follow me on Instagram. Um, I will continue to update uh, on Instagram. And uh, maybe we'll publish a video on on this whole project, but it's been going really well. Uh, it, was sp- it was started with measuring relative humidity for the purpose of storing 3D printer filament because if it gets wet, in quotes, if it gets damp, the, the quality goes down. And it's gone out of control. So <laughs> we will report. Um, Carl is asking a completely off-topic question, which is completely appropriate. He says, regarding your lightning, my Ford lightning, What is the power consumption when you're stuck in stop-and-go traffic running heat or air conditioning? Gasoline cars piss petrol in traffic. You are totally correct. I have some really excellent news about that. Okay. So uh, my son Jared this summer worked, worked for the camp that he's been going to for nine previous years. Uh, as a staff member, and in doing so, I had to bring him to camp uh, every morning for a week and pick him up every afternoon for a week. Well, there was no sense for some of those days. There was no sense in in doing the round trip. So I brought a ham radio and makins for putting up an antenna. A topic for another day. Some of you may have seen me post about it on Instagram. I did post about it. Oh, actually. I did a live from that location from the Lightning. So go back, you'll find it. So I was concerned about power consumption, so I charged the Lightning to 100% in the morning. So we left in the morning, got to camp, got him situated. I went to the staff lot and found a nice corner where I could set up for the day. And it it was 90 degrees. Okay, for, that was the temperature that day. So it was, a, it was a hot summer day. Never turned the truck off, air conditioning running the entire time. I went out, put up my antenna, couldn't wait to get back in the cab. where It was nice and cool. Uh, talked to hams all day. Uh, we had one really cool conversation. I was talking to a guy in Germany simultaneous, uh, we have three-way conversation and the other guy was literally five miles away. I don't even know if it was five miles, <laughs> but, uh, might've been less than five miles. So it was me and this other guy and this guy in Germany. And it was just a whole bunch of fun, had fun all day, looked at the clock, realized I better start packing up, Packed my stuff up, got it buttoned up. Jared came, found me we jumped in the truck drove home got home and the second before i shut down the truck it was at 90%. <laughs> so that was an you know half hour out half hour back all day air conditioning playing with radios and it was 90%. so what does that tell you? the the cost of the energy cost of air conditioning and as much playing around with radios as you can imagine was was microscopic compared to driving. That was pretty cool. So so to, so to speak. Uh, the answer to your question is it's it's awesome in traffic. Not only does it not eat up a lot of energy being in rush hour traffic, but because of Blue Cruise, you know the the autopilot, Hands off, Blue Cruise. Uh, when I go to see my mom and I come back in Boston traffic, it is the lowest stress thing you can imagine. Put it in Blue Cruise. The Blue Cru- the Blue Cruise works down to zero miles an hour. I don't care. It's not. I'm not using up more energy than you know. It it it's awesome. So compared to petrol vehicles, it just crushes it. It it, it smashes petrol vehicles with a large electric hammer. I hope I answered your question because that was a, that was a, a really hot topic. So, um, and if you, by the way, if anybody else has any random questions, drop them in. If we could answer them right away, we will. If not, we'll go to the end of the, of the session. So, um, I showed you on the, um, on the thumbnail, a little hint about what was going on yesterday. um, Okay. Oh, yeah. Widget works. Right. Does the lightning report? The lightning, you, I think you asked me this question before. It, it, it reports energy consumption in. Um, hang on. <laughs> now I forgot. Uh, miles. Yeah. Miles per kilowatt hour. So I have this number on the dash that's miles per kilowatt hour. And typically for the truck, which is not the most efficient thing in the world, it's about 2.2 miles per kilowatt hour. Uh, more efficient vehicles like a Tesla um, is about double that. So my my buddy, actually the physics teacher who we're about to talk about, uh, he gets about double that. Um Okay, so Widget Works. Let's address your question, then I'll jump on to the next topic. Any good ideas to true some large 14-inch by 1-inch wide diamond wheels that need to have about 10 thousandths taken off to clean them up? These are the used ones I told you about on Instagram. Yes, Carl, you are correct. Um, so, yes. Uh, the first thing is, you know, what Robin Renzetti taught me was to tap the wheels into concentricity first. So I modified a, now this is going to be a little different because you're dealing with a 14 inch wheel, but not that different. Uh, I modified a, a hub, uh, or an adapter depending on which side of the, the fence you, you live on. Um. And I, I took down the inner the the OD of the adapter so it had a little wiggle in, in the um, in the wheel, and then I changed the locking ring to be a bolt hole pattern of set screws. So the way you use it is you tighten the locking ring finger tight, and then you, you crank down on the set screws. And what that does is that when you go to tighten it the set screws do not move the wheel. Whereas if you could imagine if you're tightening a locking ring, you could move the wheel. So wh- whatever method you use, you get the, you get the wheel set con- uh, concentric by mechanical means as close as you can, and then you lock it down, and now you're ready to do some truing. So it depends if it's a metal bond or a resin bond wheel. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you do it on... So so WidgetWorks says it's going to remove some damage, so tapping isn't going to help. It's still going to help. You have to do it, you know, just average it, right? And he says it's resin bond. No, the screws are not pointy. It's They're just blunt. They're the flat-nose screws. And if you go way back in my Instagram feed, you'll, you'll see I, I did that. And you have a brake dresser. No problem. So in order to, um, to dress the wheel, you have to, obviously you're going to use whatever means you have. In your case, a brake dresser, uh, you're going to have to dress off a lot of material. Um, and that's just the way it is. I know it's slow. (laughs) I use molybdenum and, uh, you, you, molybdenum is actually faster, uh, for truing a resin bond diamond wheel. So you might want to try molybdenum, but you have to slow down to 700 surface feet per minute. And then it's just a matter of material removal. Um, check how thick your, your diamond layer is. Uh, that's going to be important. But there's no getting around it. Um, and the other thing is you might not really have to get rid of all the damage, right? Uh, if you do that, you're absolutely going to remove as much material as possible. But... Um, I use, I, I like molybdenum and it will speed things up according to the research. Um, try that. So I hope that helps. The only thing I'll add to that is if you, whichever means you use when you go in to dress the wheel, you know, you could buy the dressing sticks, the dressing sticks. Um, I get mine from McMaster. I could, I can get you numbers later, but you have to use a full stick to dress that wheel. You're going to use a full stick, so do not be shy when it comes to dressing. And and for for people who aren't familiar, um, dressing means you've got the diamonds. Think of that as uh, gravel in 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 a mud road. Right? You just you have a dirt road and there's a bunch of gravel in in the road. And when you dress a diamond wheel, it means you're going to go in with a pressure washer and remove the mud, but leave the gravel. Okay. So when you go in with a dressing stick, that's what you're doing. You're removing the resin and leaving the diamonds. Um, An old video from Norton indicated that you have to use a lot more of that dressing stick than you think you do. (laughs) They're the ones that, said basically yeah and this was on this was on smaller wheels this was on eight inch wheels they said yeah you basically have to use three quarters of a, of a stick to get a proper dress so just be aware of that i hope i answered that question boy that took us right into the grinding world like uh like you read about so um yeah uh let me know if you have any questions on that i'll be happy to help those are that's a big honking wheel and i want to hear more so uh, getting back to this past week, so the the physics teacher has a an event every year. This is the physics teacher at our high school, and it's called TREB Day, and the kids have to build a TREB, and they could have teams of uh, one to three people, and they build a TREB. They have to have certain requirements met. Uh, The biggest requirement is the length of the throw, the total length of the throwing arm cannot exceed 1.75 meters. And um, the only other requirement that is that the firing mechanism has to enable everybody to stand, I think, 30 inches away minimum, something like that. And a couple of safety things, and that was that's basically it. And they they have to fire a one kilogram water balloon into a castle. <laughs> and I don't remember the range, forgive me. I think it's thirty meters-ish. So that's the mission. So uh my son has two classmates, they got a three-person team, and I've been helping those guys out. Um, I did this before with Sam. It was a hoot and it was just a lot of fun, but I never, not never, but I don't really work with wood much. So I'm as much of a noob at working with wood as anybody, but these, these kids, uh, some of them have not really worked with power tools. They certainly don't have concepts that we consider as, you know, machinists and engineers that we consider pretty standard of flatness and twist and you know all that kind of stuff uh it's not kind of built in um good question carl it's total length of throwing arm has to be 1.75 meters or less they all bring it right to 1.75 meters so it turns out uh tuck was asking me in the pre-show um uh, tuck do you want to come in um you want to come in with an audio question maybe we'll do an audio question from uh from discord tuck is typing let's see just tell me in the chat if you want to come in on an audio question i'll turn on your your audio you can ask live okay your your audio should be live can you hear me can you hear me Yes, I can. Go ahead with your question, sir. Buffalo, New York. Hello. Uh how did your how did you, your son come up with the design of the trebuchet? Was it self inspired or she or he get any inspiration from the internet? So it is unavoidable to get to to not get inspiration from the internet. It just that just happens. So yes, they do research on the internet. Yes, there's a lot of resources. Yes, there's other educational groups doing similar things. So they have to do, they they do research and they have to separate the wheat from the chaff, which is part of the deal, right? I know you're kind of worried, you're kind of thinking, you know, gee, if they had to, if they didn't have any external resources, they'd have to work pretty hard. Um, They even have a simulator. So I don't remember where it came from, but there is a trebuchet simulator online, so they can actually do simulations of, you know, the ratio of of where the pivot is on the throwing arm. Um, not only that, there's there's a um, there's actually a paper that was written that these guys found years ago, and it, it's sort of a standard on how you know, the physics of trebuchets and it turns out that some of these things like that ratio of the throwing arm, uh, actually has optimums. So that information just gets passed down through the generations and they like, they start with that. Uh, so it's not as from scratch as possible, as you would imagine, but so you sort of you sort of think well it's going to yield a whole bunch of carbon copies, right? And it doesn't. Every year that they do this, there is a handful of designs that make you go, "Huh. <laughs> I didn't think of that." Like last year, not last year, but a few years ago, they had a uh, they had a dual trebuchet. It was like two trebuchets launching the, you know, the, the sling. It was fascinating. And the fact that somebody came up with that was, was semi-brilliant. Uh, Works asks, thanks for the question, Tuck. I'm going to turn off the discord video. Anybody wants to ask another one, just raise your hand in, uh, or say something in text. Um, Widgetworks asks, any rules on how much gunpowder they can use? Yes. Yes, there are. All the energy must come from uh, kinetic, uh, sorry, potential energy of the counterweight. Period. So no springs, no gunpowder, no pneumatics. Uh, did I ever see videos of the pumpkin chucking contest? I have. It is strangely alluring. Uh, yeah, these guys, these kids have just such a good time. You, you have no idea. It's just awesome they have they have so much fun so uh we were out there making sawdust and um it was it was uh, pretty amazing and and they've had two big two major work sessions so my son ended up being the cad guy right and they're using um n- not fusion 360 they're using uh, i think onshape uh for for reasons and when we when we started, I I sat down next to him. He showed me his CAD. I'm oh that's really good. I said, Do you have a cut list? He says, Well, what do you mean? I said, Well, a list of all the pieces you have to cut in order to build this thing, based on your CAD. And he said, uh, Well, we don't need a cut list. We have the we have the computer. I have the CAD. I have my laptop. I said, All right. You sure? He goes, Yeah, okay. So, my, like, here's a teaching point. So, we get outside and we're there yesterday. Now, I know if you're not in the Northeast, you didn't realize this, but it was pouring rain uh, yesterday. And uh, we managed the day before yesterday, my wife and I were at Tractor Supply, as one does, and we bought a 20 by 20 tarp and I had erected this tarp out in the driveway because I knew that it was going to be pouring rain. Well, it was pouring rain. So we're under this tarp. Literally, it's hard to hear each other with the noise from the rain. Uh, and I get out there, and I volunteered to be the, the circular saw guy, mostly because I didn't think we had enough time for me to comfortably teach Uh, these guys had to use a circular saw in the manner that it needed to be used. And I said, you know what? I'll run the circular saw. You tell me what you need cut. You see where this is going, right? So Jared is trying to like figure out what needs to be cut from his CAD model. Having not made a cut list. I let that, so that struggle happened, right? And it just went on for a little while. And, um, Finally, he hand-wrote a cut list and uh, came over with it, and we started cutting materials. And I think that was sort of a major lesson of, you know, how do you go from CAD to, you know, handing it to the machinist? And I, told, I, I, I called these three guys together. I said, look, you got an engineer upstairs designing something, and he's got to communicate to the machinist downstairs to make the parts. How does that happen? Well, you have to be able to hand the machinist a drawing and say, this is what I need built. It doesn't matter what your CAD looks like. You have to say, this is what I need built. And if the machinist does not understand what you what you want, it's coming right back to you because this happens a lot. The machinist will will find out, that there's a dimension missing will come ba- right back upstairs and say to the engineer I'm missing this dimension I can't build this the way it is at which time my son says aren't you both the engineer and the machinist I said yes but that's not the point <laughs> you have to you have to have it. so this this went on for a while and I think they got it so of all the teaching points that happened you know, as a result of this trebuchet build, that was one of the big ones is like, how do you, how does the information flow? And it's also something, you know, if we're professionals being engineers, being machinists, being project managers, we deal with this all the time. And these, these kids were, were getting exposed to it in a great way. So that was awesome. Um, and then some of them, never really used a power tool. Uh, and that was interesting. So we had drill drivers. I had a, dr- I had a drill driver and I had a, uh, 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 what I would just call a driver. I have one of each. And I had those set up to drive screws and I was teaching them how to drive screws. Simple thing, right? They'd never done it before. So all of a sudden you got these three kids, they're in there and they're, they're driving screws and they're, I taught them about gluing and screwing, and they're they're gluing stuff and screwing stuff, and I taught them how to check, you know, check for square. Oh, one of the things that happened, which is pretty funny, is I, I had sent a picture to the the physics teacher Pat, and he says, "Are you sure these kids have enough tools to get the job done?" <laughs> Uh, he knew who he was talking to. And he says, and how are you going to make the base perfectly flat? There's a guy who knows me. So that was pretty funny. Carl says, isn't the machinist expected to be telepathic? I don't even know what I'm thinking. So I I think the answer to that is no. WidgetWorks says, I do that to myself all the time. I'll make a cartoon for working on the floor and have to go back to CAD to figure out a dimension that I missed, right? So it's true. Uh, so they learned how to use some hand tools. They learned what square means. They learned what flat means. I even taught them about, about you know, we have two soul horses when we were building the base, okay? Which you probably think we made out of granite, which my wife brought up. Would have been a good idea. Uh, you know, how important it was to get the base flat. So I taught them to put the sawhorses at 75% and 25%, which is up, not exactly the right points, but it's close enough. And I taught them why, and I taught them where to look it up. <laughs> so boy howdy did the learning happening, and it's not over yet. So later this week, they'll be getting back together, and we'll be bring it in for a landing. It's going to take a couple of sessions, but, uh, uh, the axle will go on next. The throwing arm will get its bearings put on. Yes. We're reusing some stuff and, uh, and we'll go, go from there. But that was just so cool. All right. Um, so that's, that's what's going on. It, it, it is a lot of fun to teach these kids, uh, new skills, new practical skills, While they're learning physics in class, they're applying the physics, but the physics does not uh, step aside for the practical realities of how you have to build the damn thing, which includes going to Home Depot and buying the stuff. So the first trip to Home Depot, um, yeah, evil says 25% and 75%. Good enough for wood. I could not agree more. Uh, But I took them to Home Depot. We bought all the stuff at Home Depot together. And uh, a pile of two-by-fours and two sheets of uh, plywood, which was, I don't remember. Uh, It wasn't half-inch. It wasn't quarter-inch. It might have been close to three-eighths inch. And uh, it was $188, which I thought was crazy. But apparently, this is how it is now. Yes, Carl, it was, it was awesome. These kids are great. This, and, and the, uh, the physics teacher, Pat Kaplow, an awesome guy, is one of the good ones. He's one of the good ones. And, you know, he has an effect on every single student that goes through his program, whether they become techno nerds or poets. Uh, he, he's one of those guys. So it's, it's pretty cool. Okay, we're getting to the end here. It's time for random questions with random answers. So if you have it, let's hear it. And if you're on Discord and want to ask a question or make a comment, just let me know and I'll turn on your audio. WidgetWorks says I love to tell customers that give shit drawings. Sorry, my crystal ball is out for calibration, so I'll require a clear and concise drawing for this project. <laughs> So I got a buddy of mine who is a fellow black belt in uh, Taekwondo. And he says to me, uh, can you help me make some, which is code for can you make for me, can you make for me some metal uh, nunchucks? Uh, I don't don't do nunchucks, but he does, and that's cool. I'm not judging. He said he had a set that was made out of a hydraulic cylinder uh piston which i think we recognize is chrome plated uh 1045 or something i'll have to check with uh Adam Booth on that um but uh he he lost them or gave them away or something and he he wants to make another set and i'm like sure i said i'll tell you what this is my this is my uh way of dealing with somebody instead of saying give me a detailed drawing as an aside have you had this experience where somebody is interested in a thing that maybe you can make for them, and if you ask them for, for a drawing, even a, a sketch, it's over? There, and, and this has happened to me about three times, and I realized merely the art of doing an envelope back-of-the-envelope sketch of what you want is not in everybody's um, bailiwick. Not everybody can do this. So with this particular guy, he I, he wanted me to make him some nunchucks, and I said, well, and I knew he was a woodworker. See, this was the key. I said, can you make me a wooden model of what you want, and then I'll turn that into metal? And he said, yes. Yeah, Joel agrees. He says, yep, never hear from them again. Exactly. Uh, Indiana John says, I've got two five-foot-long, three-inch-diameter hydraulic pistons that I want to make into rolling mills. There you go. Perfect. So here here they are, in case you're wondering (laughs) if I was going to show it to you on video. uh, Here is the set of wooden nunchucks. And so he made them exactly the way he wants them, but he wants them in metal. So now the question is, what are we going to do with these? So I, I have a, a approach that I'm going to tell you about. Uh, so Carl says, when I die and go to heaven, the engineers will have to build, use, and maintain the stuff they design, and I get to watch. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, CJ Stevens says, just chuck it up. It'll take a minute. So you'd think so, Right. So he made me two sets, one set with the little chain, okay, the way he wants it, and one set not. So if we look at the, if we look at a single one of these things, we learn a bunch of interesting things. If I get the square to the camera, you will note that it is tapered. Of course it's tapered. Uh, It's it's got a slot on one end for the uh, chain and a cross pin, and then the other side is just sort of rounded. So... One of the things that happened was he said to me, we could use a roll pin for the cross pin. He was kind of excited about that. And I said, no, <laughs> I'm not going to let you do that. Roll pin is the is the wrong thing. We're going to make it a tapered pin and I'll get a tapered reamer and that's the way to do it. And he's like, oh, so... But the taper is interesting. And not only is it tapered, which is, of course, no problem, right? We could do this on the lathe. But he wants it canurled. <laughs> so one of our one of our uh, taekwondoists uh, at the school is a machinist. So he, he and I do some machine talk when I see him. Unix Carbide made it home. Holy cow. Uh, I see you talk. Unix Carbide is reporting Soho, Manhattan. Oh, he's not home yet. 58 degrees Fahrenheit, 55 relative humidity, and he's way late. Yeah, but you're in Soho. Welcome aboard, sir. Um, did you get a bagel? I Did you get a bagel? I want to know if you got a bagel. That's all I'm saying. Um, And when are you going to be home? Canisius. Oh, you got canisius? Where'd you get canisius from? Uh, I'm starting to drool now. I'm salivating. So uh, for those of you who don't know what a knish is, it's a sort of a phyllo dough wrapped um, uh, mashed potatoes. Sometimes it's grains. Yona schnimmels. I don't know where that is, but I am just drooling. Okay, enough of that. So getting back to the project. So... Uh, not only is it tapered, he wants it knurled. Uh, it's a hundred and twenty-year-old place, man. I, when I come down to visit you, you're going to take me there. Has to happen. So we're going to knurl this and taper this. So this actually, uh, can you play? Can you do a nice knurl on a taper? Personally, I'd opt for a frag pattern. So I don't know. But that's my learning point. You see, I get to learn something. I get to figure out how to do a neural on a taper. Uh, Let's see. Tuck, I'm bringing you back in, buddy. Okay. Discord is live. What were you going to say? He probably walked away because I was talking too much. Uh, What are you going to make out of regular steel? Or would you switch to something fancy like titanium? Well, so his... his, um, there it is. Yona Schimmel, Kanish. Ah. No N. So if you guys want to go down to Soho and get a Kanish, there's the link in the uh, in the Discord. Uh, he requested steel because that's what he had before and he liked it. And uh, we were talking with my my other machinist buddy in Taekwondo, And he was thinking that 316 stainless would be nice. So at the moment, 316 stainless is the pick um, and a knurl and a taper. So I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll figure it out. (laughs) So if anybody is a knurling expert, not a knish expert, but a knurl expert, hit me up because I want to figure out how to do this uh, knurl on a taper. Um, and see what needs to be done. I'm sure there's there's a way to do it. I'm, I have a TL1 lathe, so it's CNC and, uh, and we want to make that happen. The idea that I came up with is at the rounded base of of the part, I don't know what you call these a, a nun a nun <laughs> uh, is to do a I want to put a center in it. And I was thinking I would drill a hole and thread it and have a center around the hole, but then when we're all done, we could make something interesting to screw in the base. And I have a few ideas about that. So that's where we're at. Interested to hear your input. Uh, Unix, uh, audio is live on Discord if you want to come in and give us a verbal description of your knish. Uh, WidgetWorks says, knurling a taper isn't hard. I've done it many times on the TL2. Awesome. Well, we'll have to talk. I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Okay, uh, one uh, last thing. I wanted to show you live. I know I, I posted a picture of it, but I got my power profiler from uh, Nordic. So this is what you get for ninety bucks. You get their little board, a uh, bunch of wires on connectors coming out of it, and a link to find out all the documentation. <laughs> So the power profiler is what my good friend Doug came over with, that led us to the eighteen microamp uh, measurement and the battery life calculations uh, that we made a couple of weeks ago, and and that's that's what he used. So I I ran out and bought one. They're ninety bucks. Uh, they are on Mauser uh, Digikey. I got it from Digikey. Uh, and they're awesome and they also are they are also sold on Adafruit because of the same reason we used it to measure current uh, profiles or current you know power usage on small devices so uh, so there you go okay uh hearing hearing no more objections from the discord server I'm gonna kill that audio. And uh, anybody else have any any questions, comments, or snide remarks as we bring this in for a landing? Uh, great seeing everyone. It was a weird week. Hopefully next week will be weirder. Carl uh, Tauber discovers that Yona Schimmel ships nationwide. So let me tell you a story about nationwide. The way Unix Carbide and I met, is because he ordered a set of beveled PFG stones. By the way, PFG stones are at pfgstones.com. And if you like flat, that's where it's at. Learn more at pfgstones.com. So uh, Unix Carbide buys a set of beveled uh, PFG stones for me, and I ship them to Brooklyn, and I, I we had a little exchange on some I don't know text or something uh, because I am from Brooklyn and and that started a friendship and he said to me these stones are awesome and he said uh, uh, I want to buy you something so he he, he, well, he says I want to send you lox and cream cheese and bagels now, there's only one correct answer when somebody says, I want to send you locks and cream cheese and bagels. And that answer is yes. So he sent them, and that was another place that ships worldwide. <laughs> and it was awesome. Uh, let's see. Yona uh, Schimmel, let's uh, see, uh, Test Room 2003. Welcome, sir. He says, do you know what Schimmel means in Dutch? I do not, and I would like to know. CJ Stevens checking out. Sir, thank you for being here. We'll see you next week. And I'm I can't leave until I find out what Schimmel means in Dutch. It means mold or mildew. Well, oh, there you go. <laughs> now, I wish I didn't know. <laughs> well, why do you think the Kenishes taste so good? All right, so uh DBX is going to check in here with a comment, and I think we're going to wrap it up. If anybody has any topics they want to see covered on these um, events, please let me know by sending me a DM on Instagram or on our Discord server. Also, uh, I am going to do a random live right after we're done on behalf of Carl. Tauber to teach how to use discord for complete discord noobs. I just made this up. So we're going to, we're going to cobble this up right after we're done with PFG live. So stick around, just, uh, watch, uh, watch your YouTube feed for this random live to pop up about, let's say 15 minutes after we close. And I'm going to spend a little time. Carl, can you, can you attend that? Take care. K bonk. Say hi to Philadelphia. Have a cheesesteak for us. Stay flat, flat lapper. Nice to see you. So, uh, Carl, can you can you stick around uh, in front of your computer for uh, for another hour? If you say no, I may not do this. But if you say yes, I'm, I'll do it for you. WidgetWorks says, don't they have a '90s book called Discord for Idiots? Yeah. You're going to go to the Barnes & Noble and buy a bunch of dead trees? We're going to take care of this. (laughs) Carl's, okay, CJ will be there. Okay, so we're going to do this as a random live right after we're done. Uh, And that means that the the podcast will be out a few minutes late because I want to do that today. Uh, Yeah, pick a time, Carl. Carl, you're in charge. Pick a time. We'll announce it to everybody. When when do, when is comfortable to do this? Hey, uh, Adigy, am I pronouncing that correctly? Adigy, Adigy, Adige? Have a great uh, week yourself. Oh, he put a picture up. Oh, look at the picture in in the uh, in the chat, folks. DBX is showing us what Kanisha's look like. Oh. You shouldn't have done that. You know, I'm I'm doing low carb right now and this is not helping. All right. Uh Carl, I'll I'll take your guidance. In the absence of further guidance, I'm gonna say five PM Eastern time. This many. Oh, anytime after four? Let's make it four thirty. Four thirty Eastern. We're gonna do a random live and I'm gonna teach how to get on Discord. Okay. And you discord guys, can you be there just to help out 4 30 PM? Is that, can you do that? Or is that asking too much? Bring a Kanish. That's all I'm saying. Cause we got to get Carl on discord and, uh, there's a few other people we have to get on discord. I'm looking at you, Robin, and we'll teach how to do it. It's not scary. It's actually pretty easy. And I think we could teach it in, uh, in 20 minutes. Okay, 4.30. We're in. Guys, thanks for being here. I know this was a crazy uh, random uh, ending. K-Bonk reminds us to give a thumbs up on the YouTube video. uh, Subscribe. Subscribe's the important thing so that you don't miss any. And uh, we'll see you guys next week right here on the flattest podcast there is. The flattest podcast with... Kanisha's PFG Live. See you next week.